All right, everyone. How are you? How you doing? Everyone good? Let's do this. Uh, we'll get right into it. Welcome to this week's episode of our podcast. It's called Is Breakfast Included? I hope everyone had a great holiday and you did your patriotic duty of keeping all 10 of your fingers. Uh, if you didn't or you know someone that didn't, hey, we'll see. On the show this week, my good friend, a longtime friend, Mark Allen Atwood. I've known Mark since the uh, mid-80s. That's how far we go back. He is one of the original, first original songwriters I ever met. You know what? I'm going to go one further. He is the first original songwriter I ever met. Long before everyone was doing it, long before it was cool, uh, he was doing it, and he's still doing it. We had a great conversation catching up. We talked about Wild Child, which is the band that he was in when I met him, to Wasteland, to a really cool cover of a Crocus song they did, to what he's doing now. He's got a new album coming out in March. Uh, it's called uh, Old Bars and S- Old Scars and Sandbars. Sorry mm-hmm. about that. Old Scars and Sandbars. Anyways, he tells us a little bit about that and a bunch of other stuff. Let's check it out. All right, yeah. man. Tell me, tell everyone who you are. Uh, my name is Mark Allen Atwood. It doesn't matter how you spell it. Apparently, it gets spelled about a million different ways. Um, and I started playing music in Dallas, original music at uh, my own stuff at the Songwriter Haunts in uh, 1980. So uh, in the in June of 1980. So this summer marks 43 years that I've been doing this. 43. Crazy, man. isn't it? I met you uh, 86, 87? Yeah, yeah. That's when we met. I was just, a, you know, and uh, you were in a band called Wild Child. Wild Child. Yeah. yeah. Was that your, was that, that wasn't your first rock band, was it? Um, It, it was my first rock band of that variety of rock. Yeah, I mean, we didn't call it hair metal then because we didn't know if no. it, it became hair metal in past tense, you know. But uh, but yeah, it was it was my first band of that of that type at that time. I was doing a lot of uh, songwriter, you know, folky kind of songwriter gigs, uh, country gigs. I mean, I'm from Ennis, you know, so that's, you know, I'm from Ennis and I didn't play polka music. So basically it's country Um, and and you know how that goes. But um, it was my first band like that. And, And the way that I came to that was was really interesting my brother jason who still to this day of all the you know 40 some odd years i've been doing this probably had more uh, natural ability just god-given natural talent on the drums of anybody i've ever met uh he didn't stick with it but he he was the drummer of this band called wild child and um I, actually i don't know if they even had a name i think i may have had part of it may have had part of creating that name but anyway they they didn't have a singer and he knew that i had a relatively high voice uh, and that i could hit all the notes of the covers they were doing at the time which was guns and roses and stuff like that like everybody was doing at that yeah 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 and uh and i said yeah i mean i can hit the notes he said well listen we're going to be auditioning some singers but we really need the band to practice and get tight before we bring some of those singers in would you come and sit in and just be kind of like our rehearsal singer for a couple of weeks while we do that? And I said, sure, no problem. And, uh, you know, one thing led to the other and they never bothered auditioning any singers. And five years later, I, I left the band and 
and formed Wasteland, which then was pretty popular regionally uh, for for several years after that. Yeah, I remember both of those bands. Yeah, I, I, I only knew of Wild Child because a couple of the members or one of the members was from Corsicana, which is right. Tim Roselle. Tim Roselle. And I was good friends with his brother. And he said, hey, Timmy's in a band. We should go check him out. And back then, it was the thing to come and check you guys out at rehearsal. Like, right. go watch you practice. and The old A-frame. Huh? The old A-frame. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, man, so that's how I met you. I remember uh, coming to those rehearsals, and I remember, you know, once you guys started gigging, like, it was a big deal for me because, like, we knew you guys, and you were playing live music. You were doing original music and covers. And yeah. the original music you were doing, a lot of it was stuff you had brought in, you know? Some of it was, and some of it was written by uh, Brad and Tim and I together. Uh, early on, most of the original music that we were doing was my stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but over, in very short order, Brad and I started writing songs together, and then Brad and Tim and I were writing songs together. And um, over the four and a half, five years that we were a, were a very functional uh, working band, uh, that was pretty much the songwriting dynamic was primarily me, but but also me and Brad wrote a lot of stuff together as well. And Tim uh, chunked in a, a lot of a lot of help on that as well. So that was pretty much how that went. Yeah. I, you know, I look back on some of those wild child recordings and the recordings were kind of garbage because we didn't really know what we were doing. Um, and we got some bad advice a couple of times, but man, the songs that we were doing were really fun, really fun. And I, I, I loved that band. I had a great time in that band. Man, you guys were a fun band. Like I said, I was just, uh, either in high school still or just out of high school. And it was, uh, might've been towards the end of my high school, uh, years. But it, it was a lot of fun. You guys were gigging every weekend. You were playing yeah. all the cool clubs, on the rocks, the basement. Uh, City if Lincoln. it was a place that we wanted to play, which was basement, on the rocks, Dallas City Limits, then we were playing there. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and that was pretty much, we didn't do a lot of out-of-town work. That didn't come along until Wasteland. But Wild Child, actually, funny thing, and I've never really understood how this worked, um, Wasteland, fell into being lucky enough to be picked up as tour support for a lot of the bands that we looked up to. And we got to play out of town quite a bit, but never had the draw in Dallas Fort Worth that we wanted. And Wild Child never played out of town much, but we were killing it in town. So yeah. You had the numbers in town. Yeah. What's it? uh, Dan McCarthy played guitar in, in, in Wasteland. Yeah. uh, Dan is now guitar technician to the stars. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, dude. I, you know, I, Dan is a is a guru with guitars. I used to he call really him is. all, call him all the time much, with questions. I'll tell you this much: if you have, I don't know if this is going to be a video or just audio only, but if you have a Gibson with a headstock like this, and it breaks, and they all do. There's only one person in the country that I would send it to, and that's Dan McCarthy. <laughs> yeah. You know, Dan taught me how to fix headstock. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, he's he's a he's a he's, great he's great yeah. at what he does. You know, funny story. 
when the basement reunions first started happening, uh, Jeff uh, Shaddle asked us to be part of it as Wasteland. Every single year they were doing it, and every single year Dan told me no. <laughs> every single year. And the other guys in Wasteland were all about doing it, even Greg, who doesn't really gig anymore. And, and, and uh, you know, we were all interested in doing it every single year Dan said no. Just could can't be bothered. Can I, I be bothered with it? I tried everything I could to talk him into it. Yeah. Well, man, uh, one thing I noticed about you, like after I got to know you, uh, you would you would play these. Uh, you had all these recordings of you like performing or singing. And then now, now that I'm I'm who I am now, and 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 have have have, have lived this long, I realized you were doing the singer songwriter thing when the singer songwriter thing wasn't cool. You know, that's that's kind of where you came from. I sure am glad that you said that, Bernie, because I'm not supposed to. But, yeah, that's true. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Like you you uh, now, like when I hear like, you know, people talk about I always tell them and I've got this friend that was doing it way back when. And it was it was very what I say. You were very true to it. Like you've always been a songwriter in my eyes. Uh, you were very true to it you didn't just pick it up like after it became a thing. Right. You know? Right. You know, I, I'll be honest. I get frustrated sometimes just because it feels like, you know, we talked about at the top of this, that this is my 43rd year mm -hmm. of doing this. And, and I get frustrated sometimes because I feel like I've spent uh, well over half my life bashing my head against a wall. But if there's one thing that I can hang my hat on, it's that I'm doing essentially the same thing now. Hopefully I'm a little better than I was at that age, but I'm, I'm doing essentially the same thing now as I was doing back when you met me in the mid eighties. So, yeah. I mean, I, I hope that, I hope that there comes a point where if, if anybody looks back on what I've done and, and has any reason to say anything about it. I hope that one of the things they can say is, well, at least he was genuine. He, he did what he was doing the whole time. You know, he stayed true to it. So that's my hope. Yeah, man, you are, you, you're very, you've, you've always, it's funny because you're doing, you're a great songwriter and the stuff I've heard of yours is really good and you're true to your country roots, but what you and wild child were doing in the eighties, most of the country bands are doing now. <laughs> right, that's true. That's true. Uh, you know, it's funny. You know, uh, melodies, did, you know. It, it, right, absolutely. And I took about seven and a half-ish years off uh, when uh, my daughter was uh, very young and my marriage was going to pot. And, I, and at any rate, at the end of Wasteland's time, the kind of music that we were doing fell out of, you know, popular favor. And uh, so I took about seven and a half years ish off, um, went back to uh, went back to running newspapers in Texas and for a day job, and, uh, which is one of my one of my fallback positions as a guy that doesn't like to work day jobs, but still had to do it from time to time. And uh, when I came back to play music, there was this red dirt scene. And I'm like, wait a minute, this sounds awfully familiar. So. Yeah, no, you're not wrong about that. Yeah, yeah. So when you when you came back and and decided to start playing music again, was there uh -huh. a conscious decision to uh to play country music? 
you know, you mentioned something a minute ago about my roots. There was a conscious decision to do what it is that I wanted to do. And mm-hmm. it just seemed to me that what that thing was translated more easily into the Texas country scene at the time because I felt like I felt like I needed to find a place to fit in. Um, I felt like I needed to find a, a kind of a groove to where I could book and play and promote my music and make recordings and I and I needed some I needed some kind of room to be in where I wasn't sticking out so much like a sore thumb. And that seemed to lend itself already to what I was doing musically. So a conscious decision. Yeah, I guess it wasn't it wasn't like, hey, I want to go do this thing. It was like this thing lends itself to what I'm already doing. OK, that makes sense. And and and, and coming from someone who, who's known you for a lot of those 43 years, <laughs> you know, it's it's you're not um, that's not a uh, what do they call it? It's not an affectation. Exactly. Right. I wouldn't use that word, but <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it it really it it I I knew that when you started back and I started seeing you around and your name pop up, I was like, well, he's just going back to what he's always done. You Pretty know? much. Yeah. I didn't I didn't have to make any radical changes to to uh to fit into the Texas country red dirt, whatever we're calling it this week, scene, but you know, funny, I've always felt out of place in that scene until we started calling what I do Americana. Yeah. And now I feel like I got a home there, you know, because it's a it's much more of a broad brush that you can paint a lot of different kinds of. But it's but it's very songwriter focused. Yeah. And, you know, I'm that's really what I'd rather be than anything. I'm a mediocre at best guitar player on my best days. Serviceable, but nothing special. I'm a, a decent enough singer, even at my age now, I can still hit most of the notes, but I'd much rather be uh, viewed as and focus on songwriting. And yeah. so Americana certainly seems to lend itself to that. How have you fit in? What Do you fit in pretty well with the current batch of Americana songwriters? I got to be honest, you'd have to ask somebody else that question. I think I do. But, you know, I don't know if everybody everybody feels that way about my work or not. I I kind of feel like I've always been on the outside looking in. And I don't know if that's because of my personality, being outspoken. I used to be very politically active. I'm not anymore. Wouldn't touch it with a 10 foot pole. I'm busy being happy. But, um, you know, there's there's no shortage of reasons why I've always kind of felt like that. So you'd probably be better off asking somebody else that question. I think it fits in pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, um, do you, how do you feel about a lot of the cats that we came up with that once they realized that the, the rock thing wasn't happening for them? Uh, and then they're like, you I know, think I know what you're about. To, I think I know what you're about to say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, I was talking to someone the other day and I said, you know, everybody I knew that was in a rock band is now outlaw country. Or, you know, doing something like that. And I, I always find it a cop-out. Like I said, if you asked me before you and I talked, if, if you would just came up in conversation, you were probably the only person I would say that is doing what they've always been doing from that time in our lives. And even later, like every new metal guy I know 
is in a country band now. Right. And it's what and 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 they always say it's what we've always wanted to do. This is what we were trying to go for. Well, you know, those drop D's didn't tell me that you wanted yeah, to be I, a country I artist. Of, uh, I didn't hear a lot of drop D and Merle Haggard's music growing up. I got to be yeah. honest. With you. you know, I don't look. People already think I'm a jerk, so I probably shouldn't say this. But most of the people that say that, quite frankly, are full of it. I was around. I was watching it. I know what I saw. I have ears. I have eyes. I know what you were doing. And so how do I feel about it? I feel fine. Go do whatever makes you happy. And if and if this uh, this country ish uh, thing makes you happy, then by all means, do it. Try to do it authentically. Try not to force it. Don't don't write crappy, cheap pop lyrics. I hate that. If you want to get my attention, get my attention because the quality of your work is good. Don't get my attention my attention because of some cheap pop. So um, I shouldn't write at a party drinking Bacardi, right? No, you shouldn't. <laughs> but I don't know. Don't judge me, Bernie. I'm broke. Some of these people writing at a party drinking Bacardi are cashing checks that I'll never see. Don't listen to me. I'm a dumbass old broke guy. Um, which, you know. Uh, dovetails nicely into something I wanted to tell you, and that is that apparently I, I don't care that much about money. I wish I did. Uh, I could be doing a whole lot better, but you're right. I'm still doing the same thing I was doing, and I don't know that that's a good thing. My my wife would probably prefer that I make a little more money, but I don't know. You know, you say outlaw country. I have a really stern opinion about outlaw country. The, the very first album I ever bought with my own money was uh, Redheaded Stranger. Mm -hmm. And Willie and Waylon and the Glazer brothers are, uh, Chris, are, are very identified as being outlaw country. But here's what people don't talk about. And this infuriates me. Outlaw country as a genre was never about a sound. Not Willie's sound, not Chris's sound, not Waylon's sound. It was never about a sound specifically. Outlaw Country came about because these guys told Nashville to get bent and went and did whatever they wanted to, which was a very outlaw thing to do at the time in the music industry. It had nothing to do with copying a particular sound. And now exactly. people are trying to copy that 70s outlaw country sound and call it outlaw country dude i got news for you that ain't outlaw yeah exactly that's uh you're being a parrot that is not outlaw country outlaw country nowadays would be saying no to whatever is working in the establishment whatever nashville's writing and saying i'm going to do my own thing that's outlaw country no matter what it sounds like yeah no, I, I I agree with you. I I I that's the the general um, umbrella that most of these cats that I'm referring to uh, use is that we're outlaw country. And and I got exactly you, you're not <laughs> exactly what you just said is what I usually people get sick of me giving them my opinion as well about it. Like you know, no, Willie really? and Waylon, they didn't call themselves outlaw country. They didn't say, "Oh, we're going to no, do this," you know. And, uh, they started an outlaw movement by being outlaws in the industry, not because of the way the, that Wayland's Telecaster sounded. And now yeah. if you're just copying Wayland's Tele sound, you are not outlaw. You are a duplicate. 
Are there any artists right now that really a uh, current artist? Like I know who inspired you in the beginning. I remember hearing a cassette of you doing a, a knocking on heaven's door somewhere. Um, Probably this was, so. This was a few years before uh, Guns and Road has brought it back into. A, I had I had my own way of doing it simply because I couldn't stand Dylan's voice. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I remember. So is there any uh, any artists right now that you that you listen to and you just take inspiration from? There's a couple. Um, I, I have some really strong opinions, but I don't share them very often because, like I said, everybody already thinks I'm a jerk. Um, I happen to think that Courtney Patton mm-hmm. is probably the finest songwriter uh, that we have on our scene in Texas. And that's a scene that includes Walt Wilkins. So that's some high praise for me because Walt is a hero of mine. Yeah. Um, I think probably the best songwriter in the business right now is a young man, at least not young, but young by comparison to me, from Alabama named Jason Isbell. And, you know, I I I know Jason very well. I've never gotten to meet him. I'd love an introduction someday. I look up to him an awful lot as a writer uh, and, and mostly because he adheres to one of the main tenets that I tell young songwriters all the time and I've been telling them for decades, and that is, Never write scared. Never be scared to write anything. Don't be scared of what you're writing. Don't be scared of the subject matter. And don't write scared. Jason Isbell does not write scared. No. I always say he doesn't waste any lyrics. Huh? I always say when people ask me what I like about Jason, I say he doesn't waste lyrics. No, he doesn't waste a word. That's true. You know, Uh, neither does Courtney. And I think they they certainly share that uh, no wasted words. tendency i i i just i think she's i think she's no she's great and that's high praise considering who her husband is too you know yeah you know and and i love i love jason too uh i haven't gotten to see him in a few years i had them both down to the island for a song swap show with me a few years ago but you know they're very busy right now and i'm very happy that they're getting so much uh so much love nationally but um but considering that her husband is jason eady yeah, I mean that's high. You're right. That is high praise. Uh, I just, I don't know. I, I, I just love the way she words stories. I don't know anybody who writes a sad song better than Courtney Patton. Just don't. Now I know some folks that might write happy songs better because that's not her thing. But I don't know anybody that writes sad songs better than Courtney Patton. Yeah, I, I, uh, another guy is John Paul White. Um. Do you have you heard of John Paul? I have not. He's he's very you should check him out. He writes a lot of sad songs too. I saw him in Denton when I was living there. And the first thing he said is like, uh, I hope you didn't come to smile. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, and I dig that because I write I've been told this for years that I write too many uh sad songs because people come to my shows and they're like, damn, this is depressing. But it's what I'm it's what I'm comfortable in. It's my wheelhouse now. I did start making a conscious decision to try and break out of that. And I've written some a lot more upbeat, positive, inspirational type songs. But that's pretty much because that's my life is better. You know, know. I'm a happy guy. And and, um, my writing, as as is usual for a lot of people, mirrors where I am in the world. And, uh, you know, I've got a song that's coming out uh, in in a month or so 
maybe maybe shorter than that. It's it's on the new album, but we're going to actually push it out as a single called Little More Love. And it's the entire reason why I even have a new album out. I thought I was done making albums. And so, it, you know, it's about loving your neighbor. And, and there's a lot of songs that I'm writing like that these days. They're happier and more inspirational focused. And, and I think more than anything else, that's a that's a reaction to the world around me that's already depressed enough. Thank you very much. Yeah. Well, I remember a few years ago, you were very uh, yeah. active politically on your social media. Did you? Yeah, that really worked out well for me. <laughs> did you um, did you come to the conclusion that you're not going to change anyone's mind and that, you know what, I'm just, you know, you know, I personally like I I was never vocally active. I just I couldn't believe, you know, what was right. going on in the world. Right. But I, I would I would follow you. And uh, I think it did work out for you, man. Like you stay true to yourself. Well, yeah. Okay. I'll explain. So to answer your question passively, yes, I did figure that out, but it was more than that. Um, it was more than just, I'm not going to change anybody's mind. If, if I may, if I may sound audacious here, I had the audacity to think that anything that I said or the stances that I took or the things that I was active about would help people. Mm -hmm. And what I realized was not only was I not changing anybody's mind, but I was being counterproductive because what I was engaged in was not only not helping people, but it was creating even more division and more problems that was hurting people. And that's not what I want to do. Not only that, but it made me unhappy. And, you know, you get to you. you said something earlier about the age you are now you get to the age that we are i'm a little older than you but we're both you know not what we not not the kids we were when we met and um you get to a point where if you've seen some things and you've been around long enough you start to reprioritize what's really important and what's really important to me is to share my work with other people hopefully make them feel something if I walk away and somebody says, hey, I really laughed here or I really cried there, then I did my job um, and and share a little bit of piece of what it is that I've been given. I've been blessed with the gift to do. And if I'm actively pushing people away, I'm not really accomplishing that. And not only that, but it it makes me a miserable person. And I quite frankly don't have time for that crap anymore. I'm I'm too busy being happy and loving life. Right on, man. Well, you look good. Well, thank you. I think the last I'm, time I, I saw you was at a parking lot at Murphy's Music. I remember that. I remember mm -hmm. that. I I uh, just celebrated a year sober. So that helps. I quit smoking cigarettes and anything nicotine related, even the vape. Boy, that was dropping the vape habit was harder than anything I've ever given up. Um. And I did that about two years ago. So, you know, I dropped a few vices and I feel pretty good. Right on. How does it how how do you uh, how do you maintain your sobriety in a, in a town like South Padre? Well, interesting answer to that question. Um, I don't go out anymore. 
And to be honest with you, I'm kind of over living in Margaritaville because all there is to do there is fish and day drink. And I like fishing, but I got other crap to do. Um, and I don't drink anymore. So all the day drinking activities are out. And most of the people that most of my friends on the island that I hung out with, they didn't sober up with me. So they're all still day drinking and I'm sitting at the house. Um, also, I'm. This month marks about a year that I've been back running the roads, uh, touring the state, playing music again. So I'm not home that much. I will be home again in uh, 12 days at the end of what's going to be like a 24-day run. Wow. Uh, and it, it'll be the first time I've been home in over three weeks. And before that, I was only home for three and a half days after a month on the road. And before that, I was only home for a week after three more weeks on the road. So I, I don't I don't stay at home much anymore. I'll be home for about two and a half months after this this last one is over for a while. I'm going to sit on my ass and do some writing, I think. But And I've got a, a songwriter series where I'm bringing special guests down for eight weeks. So that's one reason I'll be anchored home. Oh, right on. Do you still enjoy touring? I do. Um, I don't enjoy the fact that I live anywhere from four and a half to 10 hours away from any real original music scene, because it means that just to go play the kinds of crowds that I want to play to, I, I have to drive quite a bit. Um, and, and the driving gets, I don't mind. I love traveling around. Our state is beautiful. It's wildly diverse and I love it. But at some point after a month or so, I'm like, I'm really ready to be home in my nice comfy bed with my big tv kicked back with my feet up and petting the dog so you know it, it it gets old but i do love it i still love meeting new people playing new venues uh playing some of these songs that people haven't heard yet and seeing the reactions that i get to some of this newer work that that i don't you know that i'm that people are hearing for the first time so yeah i'm still having a really good time in fact i'm having a really good time because I sat on the island and didn't do anything but play the tourists that wanted to hear Margaritaville for about six years. For the record, I don't play Margaritaville, and I'm not going to, which pissed a lot of them off. But the, the fact is that I, I pretty much spent six years just playing to locals and, and uh, tourists. Now, I did work really hard, if I may be arrogant enough to say, to try and raise the bar and raise the level of the music scene there in South Padre. And, and I'd like to think I had some sort of positive impact, but it's just never going to be much more than um, venue owners that just want you to play tired old low hanging fruit covers because that's what they think tourists want to hear. My stance was tourists want to hear good shows that they can go home and say, hey, guess what I got to see? Yeah. While I was on vacation, but it's hard to change hearts and minds when they're lazy. And, and there's there's nothing lazier than uh, people that know that the business is going to come to them regardless of any action that they take because they live in a tourist island. Yeah. So, you know, there's no motivation to really branch out or take any chances artistically or maybe even be brave enough to chant something that might not work out immediately fiscally because they don't need to, because you're on South Potter Island. People are going to yeah. come anyway. So yeah. it's been kind of frustrating to me. And, and I put a lot of time and effort and even my own money out of my own pocket into 
building shows and building up venues. There are two music venues on the island right now that weren't music venues when I started working there. And I like to think that I had something to do with that. I know, uh, But it's just really, really hard to change hearts and minds in a tourist environment because they're not motivated to change. They don't need yeah. to. Yeah. I I completely understand that. Which is a bummer. Yeah. Um, 43 years you've been doing this. I should have asked you this earlier, but I'll ask you now. What was the, uh, you said the first album you bought was Redheaded Stranger, but what was the catalyst, man, for making you pick up that guitar, making you learn to write songs? Or did you learn to write songs or were they just in you? What do you, how do you feel um, about? I started playing guitar at 14 and uh, immediately started writing songs. I think if I'm being honest, that the reason I started immediately writing songs, one of the reasons, is because I wasn't a very good guitar player, so I had to write something that I could sing along with my mediocre guitar skills at the time. But no, um, Christopherson's Silver Tongue Devil album. No, that's not true. Christopherson's Jesus Was a Capricorn album and B.W. Stevenson's uh, self-titled first album for RCA. Those two records, and, and Redheaded Stranger to a degree, but those two records had more to do with me wanting to be a songwriter than anything else. And then later, of course, it became Jackson Brown, James Taylor, uh, and, and those kinds of folk, Tom T. Hall, people who were, whether it was country or folk or, or light rock, Eagles, big, big, uh, big yeah. Eagles when I was growing up, too. Um, that whole California, Joni Mitchell, Canyon scene, you know, the Crosby, Stills and Nash, the Eagles, all that stuff. That was what jazzed me to want to write songs because there was a certain storytelling uh, vibe in all of those songs that wasn't just guy meets girl, guy has a beer, guy has a pack of cigarettes rolled up in his sleeves like a James Dean wannabe. You know, it was a, there was a, a storytelling mini movie vibe to a lot of that work. And I was a voracious reader as a kid. And then I heard these songwriters these storytellers writing these little three-minute vignettes of these wonderful stories that had so much life in them they had so much character development so much life in only three and a half minutes yeah. and a handful of words and and i was inspired to want to do that because it jazzed me i don't know i, I my mom had a great record collection i'm lucky that i got to hear the bw stevenson and the chris albums that i did when i was like 11 and 12 years old Right on. And I can tell it still jazzes you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm doing a cover album right now. It's the first one I've ever done. I'll be releasing it later this year in two volumes. It's called Ghosts in the Wood. And these songs are like ghosts that haunt me still to this day. And it's um, I'm doing some Chris and BW, you know, and, and some Jackson Brown and all these songs that that I've always been on fire for. And like you point out, still am. Right on, man. Right on. Well, I can't wait to hear that. It's speaking of covers, speaking of yeah. covers, you did a cover with Wasteland on the uh, Come On Feel the Metal compilation in Dallas. And, dude, that is like one of my all-time favorite songs by from that era. And you guys slayed it. Well, so funny thing about, uh, for anybody that hasn't heard that, what Bernie's talking about is we covered uh, Crocus is Screaming in the Night. And I loved singing that song. I could probably still do it once or twice and then not sing for a week or two. But um, 
because there's some pretty high notes in that. At any rate, uh, one thing about that record is for the most, it was a two a two disc two CD set called "Come On Feel the Metal." Uh, the whole thing was to benefit the American Cancer Society, and there was there were bands, some signed but mostly unsigned bands from all across the Texas music scene, rock, country, bluegrass. There were all these different, mostly rock, but you know. It was the concept was all these different bands covering 70s and 80s guitar metal songs. And there was like a there's like a bluegrass uh, country swing version of a Ted Nugent song on there that most everybody took a swipe at something different. There were a couple of bands that played it real close to the vest and said, we're going to cover this guitar metal song in a guitar metal band like a guitar metal sound would be. And uh, we were one of those couple of bands. Another that comes to mind is my favorite version ever of the Thin Lizzy classic cowboy song that the Toadies did on that record. If you haven't heard it, anybody that has not heard that, immediately go seek it out. It is the most killer version of that song that anybody ever did. And it was the highlight of that record for me. But I was proud of what we did on there too. Yeah, that was like, like I said, it's still one of my favorite. I, you know, I have the CD still. <laughs> That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. I don't even have a copy of that, man. You'll have to burn me one. <laughs> well, man, what do you got coming up? Well, um, the my new album, I say, I guess it's still new. It's July. It came out in mid-March. Is my fifth full-length album with my name on it. Um and and it's got 12 songs on it. I uh, just wrapped up the radio promotion for our third single off of it called Pedal Down Life that did pretty well in Texas. And we've got the song Little More Love that we're going to be pushing out in the next few weeks as the fourth and probably final single off of that album. The album is called Old Scots and Sandbars, and it's half of it are songs that were written and in one case recorded prior to me moving to the island. And there were songs that I always wanted to do, but never quite fit on any other previous album. Those are the old scars. Mm -hmm. And then the other half are songs that I've written since living on South Padre. And those are the sandbars part. So I, I love the record. I'm, I'm as proud of it as anything I've ever done. And I'm, I'm looking forward to this uh, little more love single and seeing what uh, the world thinks about it. Um, like I said, I'm back on the road. So if you if you live in a place in Texas or southern Oklahoma, chances are you're going to be able to come see me at a show. Right on. Do you have any shows coming up that you want to promote? Um, well, I mean, I don't know when this will air, uh, but uh, you know, I've got shows this this uh, this weekend uh, in North Texas in Durant at the casino, but. What I'm really excited about more than anything else is starting in August, I'll be doing uh, another one of my eight-week songwriter series. And I'll be bringing in some of the best songwriter talent in Texas uh, and Oklahoma to come down to the island and do uh, eight Friday nights in a row at a place called Hopper House, which is in the shadow of the lighthouse in Port Isabel, right there at the foot of the causeway. So I'm really excited about that. This is the one, two, three, four, fourth, eight-week songwriter series that I've done in South Padre Island since I've been there. 
And uh, the third one I've done at Hopper House. And they've been incredibly well attended and just magical shows. And when does that start in August? It starts the very first Friday in August and runs through the first four of five uh, Fridays in September. I'm not okay. sure what the day. I think it's August 4th through September 21st or 2nd, whatever the, the fourth Friday in September is. So okay. eight, eight Fridays in a row starting August 4th. Well, cool, man. Well, Mark, I, I appreciate you taking the time to do this. Like I said, you, you're asking me. I've, I've really enjoyed it. It's fun. Yeah, man. I, I, I knew it would be fun. You and I, we could we could probably talk for hours about our history together. We but, absolutely uh, I've always had a lot of admiration for you. You've always stuck to your guns, man. You know, if I have never told you that, I'm telling you that now. Uh, that means a lot to me, Bernie. I appreciate that. Thank you. you. Know, it's a very, sometimes it's a very thankless position. <laughs> I say that a lot about my gig. It's a very well, thankless I job. That. I can see that. <laughs> but um, I have one more question. It's called, sure. is breakfast included? And, and if we were having breakfast, what would you have? Um, I love breakfast. It's my favorite meal of the day. And I'm a big bacon, eggs, uh, French toast kind of guy. But over the last couple of years, my lovely wife, Amy, has decided that we're going to eat healthy on the weekends. And she throws down these spreads full of these little uh, sausage egg quiches that she makes, along with uh, five or six different kinds of cut up fruit. And it's all really wonderful and, you know, weight gain friendly and uh, or weight watchers friendly, I should say. It's just it's been it's been uh the thing that I look forward to coming home the most is my weekend breakfast with her. Oh, I'll send you some pictures of the plates and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. But lots of fruit and some eggs. And, and that's uh, that's my breakfast these days. Awesome, man. Awesome. Well, again, I thank you for doing this. I look forward to hearing this album, man. You know, well, thank you. I'm looking forward to finishing it up. Let's catch up again soon. Absolutely. And, uh, man, it's been good talking to you. It's been good catching up. With thank you. you, my friend. I really appreciate it. All right, brother. All right, see ya. Mark Allen Atwood. Do I ever steer you wrong? Mark's a great guy, man. You should check out his stuff. You can find him online at Mark Allen Atwood, and that is Allen, A-L-L-A-N, both Facebook and Instagram. Uh, like he said, he's got this uh, songwriter series coming up that starts um, in August. The first Friday of August goes through the September 21st, which I think is a Friday. Anyway, <laughs> I, I had plenty of time to look this up and I didn't. But you know what? I'm going to look it up right now. 22nd. September 22nd. Oh, I'm a mess. Anyway. Check them out, man. Support independent music. Like I say, support it, support it, support it. They have merch. Buy it download their music, go out and see some live shows. He's got some shows happening in North Texas and Durant, Oklahoma this weekend. Check him out. While you're online listening to this, and if you're not listening to this on your computer, go and check out isbreakfast.bigcartel.com. Buy a shirt. We're hoping to add some more merch to that. We'll see. Uh, until then, I am done. Have a great day. We'll talk to you next week.